Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. This is the Michigan-Maryland preview episode. We'll talk about some of the keys to Michigan's penultimate regular season game, not just in winning this game, but also in setting themselves up for success in the coming week. I hear there's a big game in about nine days, so we'll talk about that. But before we get there, we do have to talk about the breaking news, although this might be, Steve, the last time we talk about SignGate for a little while, because it sounds like the court case that was scheduled for Friday is now off, just literally five, ten minutes before we hit record on this, Michigan released a statement that said, this morning, the university, Coach Harbaugh, and the Big Ten resolved their pending litigation. The conference agreed to close its investigation, and the university and Coach Harbaugh agreed to accept the three-game suspension. Coach Harbaugh, with the university's support, decided to accept this sanction to return focus to our student-athletes and their performance on the field. The conference has confirmed that it is not aware of any information suggesting Coach Harbaugh's involvement in the allegations. The university continues to cooperate fully with the NCAA's investigation. And the Big Ten also released a statement. It's it's pretty similar. I guess point being, at one point, it did seem like Michigan had, at least through message board, insiders, reporters, had had kind of seemed to imply that it was it was ready to fight and make this very messy with the Big Ten that evidently is no longer the case. Now, I think there's a couple ways to look at this. And Steve, I do want to get your thoughts on this too. I think case one is, I assume, Michigan came to the conclusion that it was not going to get the restraining order that it had hoped to get. Obviously, it it hoped to get it before the Penn State game, but I'm guessing they don't agree to all this if they still think that there's high chance that they win. I know uh, Joe Simon, who's a sponsor of WTKA, you know, he kind of pointed out it, they, Michigan's case would have to be more than Michigan didn't get due process. And he did a nice job outlining it over at the Michigan.com, Michigan at 247sports.com, where it's, it's not just a lack of due process because that's not necessarily something that's immediately going to be nullified in court, it, the Big Ten's decision. I think you know there needs to be more to show just how bad Michigan was wronged so maybe so there might be that legal side of things right they might they might have won the they might feel like they have the moral high ground the moral leverage but maybe it's just not they don't check enough of the boxes legally I think the other part that is at least crossing my mind as I first read these statements is you know we talked about in the past the Big Ten was supposed to have Michigan's back like five steps ago not necessarily 
uh, to the to the um, detriment of the 13 other schools in the league. But a conference's job is to kind of protect its members, not protect in, in terms of shielding, but but kind of help its members when things like this happen. How do you make sure that there isn't a month long sensationalized scandal that gets covered by everyone under the sun? I've kind of spoken in the past. The Big Ten really probably should have tried to show that it was in Michigan's corner earlier. So I guess the other question when I see this statement is resolved their pending litigation. Is that simply Michigan just saying, never mind? Or is the Big Ten offering something behind closed doors in return? I'm not suggesting anything. I'm not trying to fuel a conspiracy theory or anything. But is there some sort of, okay, in exchange for you not trying to sue us and making this messy and making both Michigan and the Big Ten look bad? Because that is one thing I, I think everyone agrees on. If this goes to court, no one wins. There's no scenario where Michigan comes out looking so great or the Big Ten comes out looking so great. You know, no one no one wins when stuff like this gets aired out in the courts. Uh, I would argue everyone loses to some degree, except the lawyers, right? Who get their billable hours. So I guess that's my other thought is like, what was maybe solved behind closed doors? I mean, one thing that seemed like it was important to the to the statement the conference has confirmed that it is not aware of any information suggesting Coach Harbaugh's involvement in the allegations. That doesn't seem like it was accidentally put in there. So maybe there is some discussion being had about how will the Big Ten collaborate with the NCAA. I mean, the NCAA is running the investigation, but is there some scenario where the Big Ten can add context or perhaps add the context of other teams are stealing signs, just doing different strategies? Is there some other way that the conference can show its support for Michigan because, I mean, we've all been hearing from people inside Michigan's program a week ago. This did not seem imaginable. I mean, the the pure rage and frustration and overall contempt for the Big Ten, it kind of seemed a little irreparable. So what happened between now and then? I don't think it's just Michigan didn't have enough for a TRO it could be I feel like there there was some something else has come up that that Michigan feels like as long as this is the end of the punishment in the Big Ten side of things it can be content with that and just handle whatever the NCAA brings so I'm sure people who don't like Michigan are looking at this as ah Michigan backed down from their big threats about a lawsuit I'm sure Michigan fans are kind of looking at it like oh the Big Ten probably you know is going to help Michigan in the future probably both or neither, some something in the middle. What are your first thoughts about this statement? From a pursuit of the truth standpoint, it's probably a worst case scenario for us as far as understanding the what's and the why's of, of right? I think we discussed like on the list of possible outcomes, this felt like it was very low uh, on the probability scale that they wouldn't even make it to court tomorrow, right? Um, but now feels like we're going to be hard pressed to understand the full body maybe of information that led to this decision this mutual decision right i mean big the they the big 10 agreed to conclude their investigation that's per the university statement per michigan yep. statement right we've said all along that we were waiting to see if more evidence would pop up you know, based on what what had been reported and what had you know all that that there was it was there was nothing 
to suggest that this wasn't more than a ro- a, a very well, let's just a wacko rogue dude kind of like trying to build his own name. There was nothing connecting anybody higher up at Michigan. And now we know that the Big Ten's done concluding their, they're going to conclude their investigation and that uh, Jim Harbaugh has still not been linked in any way, shape or form to it, which the NCAA had already had already come out on the NCAAs and before the Big Ten or before the original restraining order had been delayed or the the hearing had been delayed and uh, last week, right, heading into the Penn State game. So still sort of a limbo as far as like, is this, it's hard, is this good news or bad news? Uh, it's bad news in the idea that Jim Harbaugh won't be on the sidelines next weekend against Michigan State. I don't know how, or against Ohio State. I don't know how you could. Um, that does not help Michigan. Right, you yeah. cannot put, there's no <laughs> way you can spin that into a, into a positive, I, I would think. So. It just kind of still you're still we're still sort of left in a state of of wondering was there more information uncovered? I I I guess maybe we will find because you gotta think the NCA would it's not like the Big Ten is gonna has found something that the NCA hasn't and that the NCA is never gonna find out because the Big Ten concluded there there's almost no way that's a feasible situation here. So maybe we will find out, or maybe this just was, yeah, like a like you said, the the Big Ten maybe not wanting Michigan to take this any further, and Michigan just saying, "Let's just call it good." Then you know, but I don't know where you're at. I just I have every, a hard time thinking. I don't. I don't mean to interrupt, but I have a no. Hard I, I wanted to hear what you wanted to say about it. Yeah, the that Michigan would totally give up the the suit effort if it right. didn't have something to feel good about like like the, you know I know a lot of people think well maybe they wouldn't win but Michigan's mindset was very much go down swinging make this as painful and awful for everyone as possible that was their mindset right that was that's why there was chatter with sports from sports illustrated about Michigan at least considered its possibilities of leaving the big 10 I mean there was all this it wasn't just we disagree and we're gonna fight it was it was like they were seeing red, right? They were they were ready to to rumble. So for them to back down, that that says to me, Michigan got something. Either a, it was so it was going to look so bad that they were like, actually, never mind. Or b, they had some sort of conversation with the Big Ten that was productive enough that they said, honestly, yeah, big picture, we'll take this option over taking it to court and making it messy. Yeah, that's about the only way and and given given the consistent like the other thing i keep that i'll lean on just as because what this literally broke what five minutes ten minutes before we recorded it not like we've had a lot of time to sit and think about it but the consistency that actual like stuff has been leaked i just feel like there'd be more we maybe we would if it was the former of the first two of the two things the two options or the two scenarios you mentioned I just feel like we might maybe we would know a little bit more at this point as to why this played out the way that it did especially when you consider that Michigan was not even the Michigan found out about the the original suspension but we we may have known before Michigan and Harbaugh even knew right remember that like they oh yeah uh, right we did like we did yeah so you you wonder you know why if if the Big Ten, it feels like there was clearly somebody within the Big Ten office 
that was leaking information. You kind of feel like, and, and that those, those leaks, the consistent leaks were, were always very, were not, uh, I don't want to say there's like a pro Michigan anti, but like, it was not, it was always the, the news that was negative for Michigan that was being leaked out. You'd, you'd almost think that that would have happened again. Right. I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of another thought that came to mind. So maybe, maybe it is the latter. Maybe he had, you know, but like you said, like we've said, I still hard for me to wrap my head around Harbaugh just agreeing to not coach Michigan against Ohio state. That just doesn't really seem to fly as far as a, an outcome that everybody at Michigan is satisfactory with. Right. I, like you said, especially given how aggressive it felt like Michigan appeared to to look and appeared to what we'd been told, you know, heading into going into the filing, the restraining order and all that stuff. It just odd, very interesting situation. One other thought that did cross my mind last week, but I, I didn't really know or think that much of it. And I figured Michigan had uh, checked all the boxes that it needed to check on this. If it files some sort of lawsuit or TRO, request or or any whatever legal term if they go after the big 10 in court could that be interpreted as not cooperating with the ncaa investigation because you are technically mandating the evidence be shared before it's complete like this is just this is more me thinking out loud here not necessarily making a case i'm just wondering like is there a part of michigan because i think ward manual released a a briefer statement, but that said, we have received enormous encouragement from our community and I will continue to support Jim and our program while cooperating fully with the NCAA process. Like, is there, it's more thinking out loud, but is there some value for Michigan if they want to show, because the NCAA has made it very clear. See the, the last investigation into Michigan. If the NCAA doesn't think you're cooperating with them, they can hit you with a worse punishment so that that's one thought that came up to me when I was reading board manual statement was okay maybe Michigan realizes like cooperating with the NCAA is probably a bigger assignment than making the Big 10 look bad. I don't know. It's an interesting one because I don't think it, it just continues kind of the the mystery of things. We're starting to learn a little bit of pieces here and there Connor Stallions according to multiple uh publications who did FOIA requests never submitted for an expense report, so I don't think he would be that dumb anyways, but also we've seen, I mean, he bought these tickets in his own name. If he felt like Michigan athletics was to fund this, he would have filed one at some point. So that's, that's one thing. And then I think the other thing that was interesting this week, John Harbaugh, now he's just speaking with a reporter. It's not like he has every fact of evidence in front of him, but he says that they've gone through Jim Harbaugh's phone. They've gone through his computer, found nothing. That also seems to be in Michigan's favor and I I, I'm not saying that they won't be punished because Jim Harbaugh hasn't been connected or implicated because ultimately as we've discussed on here it does fall on him but it I do think the punishment would be significantly less if Michigan had a staffer who took things too far and no one else really knew about it or was suspicious of it versus some grand conspiracy where they were all in on this and funneling him money and things like that i i do feel like that's a very different punishment than it being like this giant network of of staffers that were in on it 
Steve, before we turn to Michigan, Maryland, any additional thoughts on the latest news and statements basically saying this will not go to court as initially expected? Not really. Now we're just kind of in wait and see mode, right? Maybe we'll, we may have to record another podcast about this at some point, depending on what <laughs> I didn't mean to sound so well, but uh, but you're right though. I mean, it, this, it's, it's exhausting. It's become exhausting. Sometimes but, but, there's news that immediately follows news. Right. Right. It's just like, like I said, we, we got on, we, it's a good, I'm glad that we, you know, we were, we were a little behind in recording today, like not long, like 20 minutes, but that 20 minutes actually allowed this news broke within that 20 minutes. So, you know, we're, we're in a better position. It's just, like I said, my thing is, I'm just curious to see if there's more information that comes out. So in a way, really the only thing that's changed is Jim's suspension has been upheld. I'm still in the same spot where it's like, okay, well, not, so we know that, but like, why, like, what will we find out what led to this, this outcome that, yeah, like, like you said, we, we, as of even 48 hours, probably were not expecting uh alejandro was ready to be at the courthouse tomorrow correct yeah poor I mean, Joe, man he changed his yeah, no, yeah, yeah we, he had were, to change we had a whole afternoon in dc prepped and then and then he changed <laughs> his flights to go in in the evening so now it'll just uh, be, be me out there having fun hey that'll be good, that'll <laughs> good time. um but anyway so no otherwise no ready to talk some football honestly so let's do that all right we're gonna hit a quick break on the other side we'll talk about michigan versus Maryland as the Wolverines go for another road win and their 1,000th win in program history. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Steve, I figure for this, we just knock out a couple things we want to see from Michigan's offense, a couple things we want to see from Michigan's defense, both not just in beating Maryland, who who is six and four on the season, has played pretty well at home so far. I mean, they, you know, obviously they lost four straight games at one point, including blowout losses to Penn State and Ohio State. But at the same time, decent team, decent amount of NFL talent on that team, but also keeping an eye on the Ohio State game, right? This is always kind of the weirdest game of the regular season for both Michigan and Ohio State, where they're like trying to avoid injuries, trying to keep the playbook vanilla, trying to, you know, get the backups in, keep guys fresh, but also trying to like build momentum, build confidence for 
obviously the game. Steve, what what do you want to see the most from this offense? Last week, kind of a weird week, right? 32 straight runs, only eight pass attempts the whole game, 60 passing yards overall. What do you want to see from Michigan's offense this week? Uh, Given the potential stakes next weekend, I think if you're Michigan, I think you want to win as easily as possible without, again, without really having to open up the playbook at all, right? I mean, I guess that's got to be what you're thinking, which they were, I mean, if we're being honest, they were kind of able to do last week to beat a top 10 team on the road without your head coach and only throwing for 60 yards and running the ball or 32 straight times. Um, Don't know if you could ask for a much better scenario given the circumstances. So I I think if you're Michigan, I think you kind of want to sort of continue that. I I, I don't know about you. I, I expect Michigan to pound the ball again on Saturday and I think they'll succeed again with it. So that's that's pretty much where I'm at. I think you want to see. I don't can't remember. I don't have Maryland's roster off the top of my head. I, I, obviously, and I, I do think there were some, and it's been talked about. There were some circumstances last Saturday. Carson Barnhart kind of struggled. I don't expect to see that struggle again. But if there's a player you kind of want to keep an eye on, I think you do want to see what kind of rebound performance he has because we know Ohio State does have obviously has some talent at the edge position. So you want to make sure things are good. Uh, there as well. So, but but for me, I think it's really a just it's a very similar game plan to last week. I think that's that's fair. I think you know Maryland they they do have some edge rushers, right? They're third in the Big Ten in sacks with twenty eight. They've got a few guys because the DMV is just so talent rich with with football nowadays. It does seem like every year they've got a couple four or five star guys on the edge. So they've got some guys who can get sacks. They've got you know, a good rotation. I don't think they have anyone like Chop Robinson coming out of the cannon like that, or or I think Penn State had another five star guy on their defensive in their defensive edge rotation. So yeah, it won't be quite as talent rich, but I do think this is a good game to see how that pass protection looks because Ohio State, I mean, they're not quite Penn State in terms of generating sacks, but they do have talented football players who can get to the quarterback and will get paid a lot of money to get to the quarterback in the next few years. So it's, you know, I think Carson Barnhart started enough games where I'm kind of, I'm not thinking, oh, can he handle it? Of course he can handle it. I, I do think you do want to see some confidence, some chemistry, some comfort in pass protection when they do throw the ball this week. I'm kind of with you. The only thing about the, I, I think Maryland is, at least from what I've been able to see, is a little bit worse in pass defense, like that might be the easiest path to a comfortable victory or putting up points. So I don't know if they're going to go ground and pound. Hey, how about this? Let me rephrase. I guess, I guess let me rephrase because you brought up a good point. It depends. I guess when, when you use the phrase, open up the playbook, I guess people, and I, I just fell into this trap. Maybe you kind of just automatically assume that means throwing the, opening up the playbook means you're, you're throwing the football, right? For Michigan, opening up the playbook might mean showing more like of your run scheme, right? I mean, so so they they could theoretically run a very conservative game plan while both passing and running the football. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I I so that's a little bit of a misnomer I want to throw in there. Also, you mentioned Maryland having a lot of talent at the edge. Chop Robinson came to went to Penn State from Maryland. He was on Maryland's right. roster. So, yeah, there's always talent in that area. Michigan recruits the heck out of the DMV at the edge area. So, anyway. Yeah. 
and guys like Quishon Fuller, Kellen Wyatt, uh, Donnell Brown, those are those are kind of the three that probably have the most numbers right now. But yeah, it's it's a nice rotation. It's it, there's athletic talent, there's size, there's strength, athleticism. It's a good group. And then and then in the secondary, they do they do lead the Big Ten with 13 interceptions. I think Michigan's second with 12. Um, they've got some ball hawks, guys at, at cornerback and safety. That's a, a little bit different than some of the other teams Michigan's been heavily favored against. Feels like a lot of teams have like two good cornerbacks and then the rest kind of rest of the defense kind of struggles in coverage. I think Maryland's a little better than that, but at the same time, they've given up big plays. Penn State, I mean, gosh, the way that Penn State played against Maryland, you would think that they were clicking at all cylinders. They had four touchdowns, what, 200 some yards. I mean, it's highly efficient passing attack and you know ohio state illinois northwestern and penn state four straight games maryland gave up 10 passing touchdowns had one interception and gave up more than 11 yards per pass attempt so i don't know if there was an injury there i don't know exactly what happened between the beginning of the season versus you know the previous few weeks they did well against nebraska but nebraska we've seen their passing attack this season that's not a it's not a strength of theirs so I think a balanced offense is, is is fine. You know, I think the big thing will just be, I think, Blake Corum on a carry count. I think Donovan Edwards on a hard carry count, right, where maybe you, you limit how much he's doing in between the tackles. But maybe this is a game where you do kind of put more plays of him catching passes on film. Maybe you do try to get him even more confident, having bumping stuff outside. I mean, he talked with reporters this week. It really did seem like he just, had a weight off his shoulders to have a couple of those big runs. I mean, he's never been an unconfident guy. He's, and I'll give him a lot of credit, Donovan Edwards. When he was struggling this season, he wasn't hiding from the media. Whenever Michigan asked if he wanted to speak, he said, absolutely. Um, so I give him credit that, you know, I think sometimes players, if they're slumping or if they're struggling, they, they try to avoid those interviews because it's always the players call at the end of the day, but he didn't. So I give him credit, but it does, it did seem like he had, perked up and he was I mean he's always smiling but he was smiling a little bit more so I think there could be some value to you want him to be fresh but he his carry count is also low enough this season that you know maybe maybe you don't have him run between the guards or run between the tackles but maybe you can give him some plays but this does feel like a game where if Kalel Mullins can has 10-15 carries uh, that's probably a mission accomplished for Michigan you know let let him ice this game out it doesn't have to be one of the guys that you definitely will be counting on against Ohio State. Yeah, as far as the rest of the offense, I, I think this could be a big game for the tight ends. Linebackers for Maryland, not great in coverage. They definitely give up some plays. And again, we've talked about it. Michigan, I think they've done a nice job of this, but the more stuff you put on film, the more on their heels future defenses will be. Michigan doing a great job getting the ball to tight ends, doing a great job getting the ball to running backs in the past game. You know, Samaj Morgan quietly continuing to to make some big plays. I mean, felt like everything there were there were felt like there weren't really any big plays against against Penn State in the passing game. But at the same time, yeah, just continuing to establish that rhythm, establish that confidence. And then this might be a game where you don't worry about the the margin of victory. Maybe you do take your starters out a little bit sooner. All right, real quick, a couple over-unders from our good friend Neil. He missed us last week, but I like to think we would have gotten them all right. So far this season, I'm 24-17. and 17. You are 17-24. and 24. 
Number one, J.J. McCarthy has 19.5 passing attempts. I think I'm going to take the over. I think the one reason they would pull him or or limit it is if, and this is a little bit of what they did against Penn State, is if is if Michigan's getting beat bad in pass protection, you just start running the ball. Like if it if it looks like you know JJ's going to take three, four, five sacks, because he's a tough guy. I mean, he can take hits. He's a hockey player. He lowers his shoulder when he runs the ball. Sometimes, at the same time, this is probably a game where he's not keeping on the read plays. And this is probably a game where if if they give up a few pressures in a row, they might shut it down. I think I'm going to take the under. First instinct was over because it feels like this is a, a matchup-wise, this is a good game for them to have him throw the ball, maybe have him put up some good numbers so he's go, going into next week's feeling good. But I think I'm going to take the under. How about you, Steve? You're taking the under on that one? 19.5 pass attempts? I think so. Uh, I'll take the over. That's a tough one, though. That's a good number. Like I said, I <laughs> I fell into the trap of assuming open up the playbook means you run the ball more and don't pass it. But like I said, maybe it turns out to be the opposite, given I think Michigan feels like they can run the ball on Ohio State. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'll take I'll take the over. But that one, yeah, that that could be – you might get me on that one. Yeah, I feel like we're playing mind games with ourselves a little bit here. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, I've already lost. I don't even think I can win. So I would have to do very poorly the next few weeks. All right, next one, 99.5 rushing yards for Blake Corum. I'm going to take the under on that one. He's only gone over that twice all season. Uh, once was last week, and then the other one, it was 101 yards against Bowling Green. So I feel like Michigan – one benefit to Corum kind of being in the situation that he's in and having the maturity that he has is I don't think Michigan has to feel obligated to like help him pad his stats. I mean, he, he got to pad his stats last year, this year, he just wants a championship. And I think he wants to play in that Ohio state game. He wants to play in that big 10 championship game. He wants to play in the college football playoff. So I, I would be stunned if he has more than 10 carries in this game. If he did, have more than 10 carries, that probably means that Michigan was unable to pull away like it expected to. So I'm taking the under on that one. And then real quick, Donovan Edwards, 69.5 yards from scrimmage. I mean, who could forget that 2021 game from a couple years ago where he had, what, 200 receiving yards against Maryland alone? I'm going to take the the over. I, I feel like Michigan, especially if they're limiting Corum's carry count, I feel like this might be a game that Michigan circles and says, let's Let's let Donovan Edwards get into a true groove, true rhythm, because he can really help against Ohio State. I'm not really going out on a limb on that one. He was arguably the offensive hero against Ohio State last season. So I'm going to take the over. I think they actually do try to feed him a little bit. Your thoughts on on the Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards over unders? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I actually, I'm gonna agree with you on both of those. I think. I mean, the other other factor, especially with Corum, like if he doesn't break a long run, I wonder how much Corum's going to play on Saturday for the simple fact that he's never been 100% against Ohio State. I got to think, not disrespect to Maryland or, or that, they're looking, that they're looking ahead, but man, I got to assume he wants to be no questions about his health heading into Saturday. So I yeah, I suspect we may see, and again, uh, Donovan Edwards looked good last set, looked good on Saturday against Penn State. You got to think again, he's we'll find out in the next few weeks if he really is a momentum player 
so I think that this Saturday is a perfect opportunity for Michigan to maybe try to ride that momentum all while able to keep while you're able to keep Corum healthy uh, heading into next week. So I'm going to go with you on both of those. All right, let's switch over to the defensive side of things. Michigan's defense, I, I would argue, did everything it needed to do against Penn State on the road. They always say, pack your defense for road games. I mean, they'll have to do it again this week, but I, I do think even more than the offense, I think Michigan's defense really looks like it's ready to contend for and maybe even win a national championship later this fall and winter. So they kind of checked every box. I don't think defense is a position where you need to keep guys on snap counts. I think the biggest key, though, is stopping that Maryland passing attack. Talia Tagovailoa, he, what stands out to me about him, one, great arm, NFL caliber arm, and two, I think he can and will throw anywhere on the field. Like, I look at his, like, spray chart. I know that's, like, the hitting term, but kind of where to the sidelines, deep, intermediate, behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he, he throws to all of them, and he he completes passes to all of them. They've got a really balanced pass catching core Maryland does you know they've got three wide receivers who really jump out to me they've got Roman Henby who's the running back he's one of the top running backs in the country at catching passes Corey Dykes their tight end he's what third nationally in tight end reception so far this season so I think the big key for for Michigan is in this matchup I think the the biggest way Maryland can keep this a close game in my opinion other than like fluky turnover weirdness bad injury luck that kind of stuff I think the biggest other way is that they can kind of catch Michigan's defense napping a little bit score a few easy touchdowns I feel like those are going to be through the pass game so I think the biggest key is cover the whole field you know this is going to be a game where where Maryland will probably try to test Michigan's linebackers in coverage test Makari Page Rod Moore in coverage you know test Guy, you know, the, the the cornerbacks I think have done a nice job all season, but you know, how do they handle those short slants? How do they handle multiple deep passes in a row? Right? Because there is some level of conditioning and, and mental discipline when a team is trying to throw it deep multiple times in a drive. So yeah, I think that's the biggest key. Maryland's run game does not impress me very much. You know, I think this is very much about making sure Maryland's passing attack doesn't go off and catch you napping and throw for 300 yards and and keep this game close. Your thoughts? I mean, you got to say that (laughs) this is the perfect sort of like pretest for Michigan heading into the game against Ohio state. Right. Cause the, cause those two teams have pretty much far and away the best passing offenses that Michigan has on their schedule this season. So you know, if you're Michigan, I think you're looking forward to this opportunity because I think if there's a, if there was a game within the conference that was going to prime you for Ohio State and their ability to throw the football, it's got to be taking on Maryland. I, th- I think so. Yeah, I, and that, but and that's the yeah, that's Maryland's strength. So that so Michigan is going to be tested there. Uh, it's not a situation where yeah, we expect Maryland to run the football that successfully, and Michigan has been very very good at stopping the run so uh but yeah that that's so I, and I, so that being said very good opportunity for Michigan there for their edges to collapse the pocket and i i also think yeah the linebackers in coverage but also their reactive abilities cuz cuz uh Tagovailo, he'll run like he can make plays on his feet yeah, too he's yeah, not, he's, he's not, got right? he's got over 200 yards 
if you right. take away sacks, he's got over 200 rushing yards this season on about five yards a pop. Yep. So not, I mean, yeah, not a run first guy, obviously, but he can make plays with his feet if the, if the opportunity's there. So, so yeah, I think in, in a lot of ways, this is a really good sort of final test before Michigan meets up against Ohio state more so on the defensive end than the offensive end. I really think this is perfect uh, for Michigan in that regard. So, and I, yeah, it'll be the other guys. Cause, cause Will Johnson's played really well. Uh, Josh Wallace looks like a guy. So yeah, it comes down the third and fourth corners and the safeties and the linebackers for sure. So, so yeah, no, if you're Michigan, I think you're chomping at the bit to, to get out there on Saturday and, and yeah, sort of pass this final test uh, before Ohio state comes to town. So the one other key I have for the defense, and this is arguably more about next week than this week, although it would help this week because Tagovailoa, he is 40th nationally in passer rating when the pocket is clean. He is 89th nationally in passer rating when under pressure. He doesn't take a lot of sacks because, as you mentioned, he's mobile and athletic. In fact, Michigan had Alex Orgy as the scout team quarterback this week to kind of simulate what he can do and his tendencies. But at the same time, that kind of drop off in pressure, that's a preview to next week. I don't, we'll, we'll talk about the exact stats after Ohio state plays another game, but Kyle McCord, he is top 10 nationally in passer rating. When the pocket is clean, he is outside the top 100 nationally when under pressure. I, I don't think that there is a steeper drop off in the country among any quarterback between clean pocket versus under pressure than Kyle McCord. Now, Talia, he's he's kind of similarly set up. And I think that is maybe one thing. If there's one last, you know, think about like Thanos, like what, what the last gem is, I, th- I think it is the pass rush for Michigan's defense. I think that is the one area that they have not been week in, week out, not just getting better, but already dominant. You know, there's been been some great moments, Right, you'll see a play and be like, "Yeah, they've got they've got NFL guys at the edge position. They've got defensive tackles who can pressure like anybody in the country. They've got Michael Barrett and Mike Sainer still who don't go after. They don't blitz a ton, but when they do, they they rarely miss. So, I, there's definitely been moments. I do think you want to see a little bit more consistency from the pass rush, not necessarily in sacks, but I do think." that really helps. That goes a long way. Sacks are going to always be better than pressures. And and even within the definition of pressure, there's made the quarterback throw the ball a little faster, and then there's made the quarterback throw the ball away, scramble for his life, and and completely ruined any shot of gaining yards on the play. I think there's different levels of pressure, too. So that's something I'll be watching. And speaking of that, with our over-unders, one of them is three and a half sacks for Michigan's defense. They, I do expect Maryland to pass a lot. I think I'm going to take the under, though. I, I, I'm i going to look it up in a moment. I don't feel like Michigan's gotten four or more sacks in a game very much. I feel like UNLV, they did. I, I can't remember a ton of other ones. Steve, how about you? 3.5 sacks for Michigan's defense. Under. I saw. So I just read Maryland is, is averaging giving up two a game. You said Michigan, yeah, has has not hit four except for maybe one game. So just going with the math on that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the silver lining though is yeah, Maryland's definitely gonna have to try to pass the ball to to have a chance in this game. So Michigan will have opportunities. Do they devote more than four, you know, on a consistent basis, maybe to to try to force a couple turnovers? 
you know, maybe in that case they'll get there. But but yeah, just going with the odds, just uh, going to go with the under. So they have hit at least four sacks three times. They had five against UNLV. They had four against Nebraska, four against Indiana. But in their other seven games, Michigan has 10 total sacks. And they had one against Penn State, one against Purdue. So that's what you've seen in the last three weeks. All right, let's knock out a couple of these other over-unders. One that I think you and I are both in agreement on, 299.5 yards allowed. So that's total rushing and passing. Feels like that's a fairly easy under. I mean, Penn State didn't get there. To my knowledge, Purdue didn't get there. Yeah, another one. I feel like he did this with the Purdue game too, where I we thought it might he might have meant one ninety nine point five. Maybe he's maybe he's messing with us, seeing if we'll overthink it. I'm going to take the under two hundred ninety nine point five total yards. Your thoughts? I yeah, it's hard to hard to see them getting there, right? Even with Tagovailoa being as talented as he is, I just no, nah, not on paper. So they have that's imp- not. One game, one game they surrendered more than 300 yards. It was Nebraska, and they surrendered 305 yards. But remember, 75 of those came on a play with four minutes to go as Nebraska <laughs> yeah. tried to salvage a shutout. So no Not one else got shut out. I feel like they'll be in the 200s. I, I don't. Yep. I mean, Maryland's offense is good, but true, they're the they are one of the. They're where would they rank offensively? Would they? They might be the best offense Michigan's faced so far, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean up there. I mean they got to be I one feel of the like top Penn two State, or three. I feel like uh, Penn State's probably even. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I don't think I don't think we should overlook right because Penn State's offense looked terrible against Michigan, but like they did score fifty-one points on Maryland the week prior. True. So I think there is some element of like they were ascending. Been, Penn State's offense like, appeared to be clicking heading into that game yeah. last week. Right. That that'd be the way I'd. I'd put it so either but way yes, looking at the rest of the schedule not a lot of good offenses this season Taking fact, not even a lot of decent offenses this season under easy one all right last one let's do the third quarter one just so we can talk about it Michigan they didn't score a ton of points in the third quarter against Penn State but they continued their season-long shutout streak in the third quarter they're now outscoring opponents 117 to nothing in the third quarter, you know, we've talked to the players about it. And and I think one thing that they point out is one, a lot of these games, there is a focus on trying to get the players to not play in the fourth quarter. So like, it's kind of like a, a get out set, right? If you, if you, if you don't, if you shut them down in the third quarter and take over the game, then, then you don't have to play the fourth quarter. But, but I also think there is, you know, Michigan takes a lot of pride. I'm sure people who don't like Michigan will have something to say about this, but they take a lot of pride in their in-game halftime adjustments. You know what they're able to do during halftime schematically. Uh, And then also, I think there is a third quarter mentality. I think there is a, you know, this is when, no matter what happened in the first half, Michigan starts fresh in the third quarter and really tries to assert its will in this game. So I'm going to, it's kind of a risky one, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the, Take the under on 0.5 points allowed in the third quarter. That's it's about as low of an over-under as you'll ever see for points in a quarter. At the same time, I think I think I'm sold on it. I think I think at this point it's a little bit of a point of pride for Michigan. I don't think it'll last the whole season. I do think against Maryland, you know, because because at that point you have to think Michigan will be taking over the trench battle, right? You know, that's kind of when and, and if the game goes how we expect. 
that's kind of when Maryland will start being more pass 80% of the time versus 60. And so Michigan's defense will be able to adjust and, and prep for it. I, I'm going to take the under. How about you? Uh, I'm going to take the over just to try to catch to, gain, to gain a point yeah. on you. Yeah. yeah, I can see this. I can, again, I can see it. You know, easily being another uh, donut bagel or whatever on the board, but but no, I'm just just solely to try to cut to to gain a point on you. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over. So sorry. No worries. I would I probably would have done the exact same thing. Your <laughs> final thoughts on this matchup and your score prediction for Saturday. Uh, not a lot of like deep final thoughts here yet for Michigan. Stay healthy. I run a conservative game plan out there. And yeah, I think the biggest storyline for me in this one is, is that this, the defense is going to get a, a a good test ahead of Ohio state as far as the strengths go. So, you know, so I think for Michigan, that's a, it's a good way to, to sort of finish up before the big one. So I'm going to say Michigan 37, Maryland 14. Michigan covers. Okay. I promise I am not just piggybacking off of yours. My score prediction is 38 to 14. I wrote it down, so I'm sticking to it. But yeah, ultimately, I think this is a game Michigan wins comfortably, but maybe doesn't pour on in the second half. You know, maybe they just kind of continue to play (laughs) you know it's tricky because I think Maryland especially on the road definitely like a good enough team that they could catch a Michigan team sleepwalking I just I I don't think Michigan sleepwalking I think the the best case scenario for Michigan is that they're what we what we outlined at the beginning of the season as their most on paper trap game probably at Maryland wedged between two top 10 matchups you know late November all that but it just so happens that Michigan is going for win number 1,000 in its history. And Michigan has opted to make that a big deal. You know, Jim Harbaugh, he's he's quite a Michigan historian, actually. If you start to listen to his press conference, I mean, he he loves citing the stats and references. And, and I will say, in his defense, every former Michigan player, especially from past decades that I've talked to, this is a big deal for them. You know, because they were... Every everyone who's played for Michigan has been a part of some amount of victories. Maybe for some it's only one or two, but but for some it's 30, 40, 50. I mean, maybe they were there for win number 900 or win number 800 or or whatever. I mean, this is this is something Michigan gets bragging rights on and they're going to have bragging rights on it for at least a season or two just based on the the overall standings. To Jim Harbaugh's knowledge, they looked up high school, they looked up NFL, it sounds like this is the first football team, period, to win a thousand games. And so, yeah, Michigan's they're they're making a big deal out of it. it sounds like they're going to have patches. Sounds like they'll have obviously the helmet stickers. Uh, sounds like they're going to try to commemorate this and make this as as memorable as possible. So, you know, I know Alejandro joked in the podcast after the Penn State game that they should throw this game so that they win it at home against Ohio State. But I also think Michigan. You know, I think that just puts a little bit of energy into it. Like they can't be, you don't want to sit on 999 with a loss at Maryland. So, you know, I, there, there's probably some trap game potential, but I think that opportunity, the opportunity to fly back home and with a thousand 
with the 1,000th win in program history. I think that's compelling to, to the players. Some might roll their eyes, but the player, the former players I've talked to, it doesn't sound like it's nothing to them. It sounds like it's a lot to them. And, and those players are hearing from the former players. You know, Michigan's current players hear about that. They, you know, the, I think motivation will be high to get that 1,000th win and then go for Big Ten, another perfect season, another Big Ten title. Yeah, I think Michigan is very much in playoff mode. I think Sharon Moore had a nice quote. I can't remember if it was right after the game or, or on Wednesday, but he said it, it was a tournament game for us against Penn State. And this game, technically not, but also you're seeing the college football playoff standings. Right now, you don't really want to lose a game. You know, beating Ohio State would probably, and winning the Big Ten would probably get Michigan in the in the college football playoff. But at the same time, margin for error seems a little bit less this year than in past years. So this is an opportunity for Michigan to score another road win, score win number 1,000, and head into the game undefeated for the second year in a row. Be sure to read lots of content leading up to this game, including some stuff about sign gate. We've already got the statements up. We'll We'll have some insider intel and and as well as some free stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan at 247sports.com. We'll have our typical preview content as well for the football game. Alejandro and I will be down in D.C. providing live coverage. So be sure to check all of that out. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, not like they got here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching these, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.